So here Jesus has an encounter with a, a tax collector. Changes his life. In most places, preacher at this point would insert a joke about the IRS. Um, we live in a town where the IRS employs like 2,000 people. So we love the IRS. We love you who work there uh, right down the street here. So uh, I won't do that. If I were to do that, I might say late one night there was a mugger. And the mugger puts a gun in, in this man's ribs and says, give me all your money. And the guy says, you'll never get away with this. Do you know who I am? I am a high-ranking federal IRS agent. And the mugger said, okay, in that case, give me all my money. <laughs> it's been five years since I told that joke, so every three years I get a reset, and you can't, um, you can't hold that against me. Okay. But when you think about it, so in Matthew's day, tax collector... Uh, beyond unpopular was a, a system that was very corrupt, where people were extorted, where people um, were really taken advantage of, and it was not a good, well-run industry. Uh, and it's amazing the transformation where this man, Matthew, gets transformed by Jesus, who calls him out of that into a whole new life, such that we are studying all spring, we're studying the Gospel of Matthew. This man wrote these words that we, in 2021, a, a bunch of people get together and reflect on and meditate on these very words that this man wrote. That is an amazing transformation. And for us, this is really exciting to look at his transformation because this is all of our story. Anybody who follows Jesus, when, when Matthew follows Jesus, it shows us things about following Jesus that are for all of us, whether you're just exploring Jesus or whether you've been walking for Jesus for a long time, because walking with Jesus is not a one-time thing where you decide to follow Jesus. It's a, it's a journey of a lifetime. It is, and he's not done with you yet. And that's good news because he has more work he wants to do in you and through you um, as you go about. And it's a daily thing. These things we learn about following Jesus are things that we use every single day of our lives. And so there, it's, um, this, this is a very uh, regrounding and, and motivating um, type of a, a message for us. This is stuff that we use every day. So uh, we're just so let's just jump in. Let's pray to God as we do. So, Father, we thank you that you're not done with us. We thank you that you have, you put good things before us, and that you do transform all lives, including ours. And, and as we trust you by faith, we just pray that you continue to do that good work, that we would understand it more deeply, that we would be so in tune to the leading of your Holy Spirit. And that, Lord, there'd be goodness that flows from that. And that's a goodness that uh, is a blessing to us and to our world. And, and we pray to you that it, would be a, that it would bless your name and give you the glory you deserve, Lord. So thanks for your word and for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is a pretty, when, when Matthew starts to, to follow Jesus, it's a pretty uh, good example of just the core of what it means to follow Jesus, the core of what it means to even be a Christian. And so the first thing we see here is that a Christian is a called person. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are a Christian, follower of Jesus, you are a called person. So Jesus sees Matthew in his tax collector booth, and he goes up and he says, follow me. And Matthew leaves, and he, he follows Jesus because Jesus called him. Every great adventure, 
starts with the adventure coming to you. It's, um, it's not about going out into the world and trying to you know, find adventure or find your true self. And people do that, and they, they end up very lost and very confused. But it's when, that, it's when the adventure comes to you that it's the true adventure. You know, you're just a, a normal teenage kid, and you get bit by a spider, and you have superpowers, and you, it begins this great adventure. Or you get exposed to gamma radiation, and you have super strength. And um, you know, Frodo inherits a ring uh, from a family member, and it brings him on this, the, the great adventure. You know, little, little Jane and Michael were just going about life, and here comes the new nanny, kind of run of the mill, and then they're jumping through sidewalks. Like, the adventure comes to you. And my point in, in this is that if you are a Christian... If you are a follower of Jesus, it's not because you decided that you agreed with Christianity. It's not that you sat down and said, you know what, There's of all my religious options, I agree with Christianity the most, or I like the morality of it, or I, I, I'm deciding to do this. At the core of being a Christian, God has reached out and called you. There was whatever point in your journey, whether you were studying or exploring or just considering your upbringing, that the God of the universe, you realize that the God of the universe was coming to you and invading your life in such a way that you could not deny it. And then he got a hold of your heart and called you to himself. And when he did that, if you respond in faith and say, yes, I, I will follow, you realize that God has brought you into his amazing story, this amazing adventure of his rescue of a broken world. A world that is broken and really destroyed by sin. But the God of, God of love coming back to renew and restore that world. And he's called you to be part of it. And you, you knew that and you experienced that. And by faith you say yes to that. And you follow that. And it's just an amazing journey. So when Jesus calls you and when Jesus called Matthew, he doesn't just see the guy in the tax collector booth. He sees what he can be. He sees the potential. He knows the good things that are in store for that individual. God knows the good things in store for you when he called you. He doesn't just see you as you are. He sees the transformation. He knows what you can become. Uh, And so this despised tax collector, and there's a lot of debate about what type of tax collector Matthew was. Was he the one who was out shaking people down on the street, or was he more like a high-level sort of a customs officer. It doesn't matter. Whoever he was, he was despised. And he left all of that. And one commentator said, Matthew left everything except his pen. He's like, Jesus, I'll follow you. And he's like, oh, I'm going to need this. Takes his pen with them and writes this account of how Jesus changed his life and really changed the world. Uh, It's important for us to remember this notion that we are called because God has chosen you. He has rescued you. He has purchased you. Therefore, he owns you. You said, yes, I will follow. That means you're following him as Lord of your life, that you have relinquished uh, whatever was and you have entered into what will be. Uh, He's knocked on the door of your heart. You've opened that door and you're living that adventure. And the, the, the beautiful thing is that he's with you in that every step of the way. But at the very core of those steps is that God called you. The second thing that we we see here in Matthew's story is that not only is he a called person, but he is a sent person. And any follower of Jesus is not 
only called in by him, but sent out by him. A Christian is a sent person. Uh, Verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. The very first place that God sends you is to the front lines of your life. And we use this language, front lines, here at the church. And what we mean by that is the front line of your life as a follower of Jesus is anywhere where you interact with people who are not followers of Jesus. That's your front line. And everybody has a front line because everybody, in one way or another, you're going to interact with people who don't know Jesus. You don't have to create it. You don't have to go on a mission trip. You have a front line because you know people who don't know Jesus. For Matthew... He just goes, and it's his tax collector buddies and these other sinners, because who hangs out with tax collectors except other people of shady character? So they're all friends with each other, and they have a dinner at Matthew's house. They're just his friends, and he brings Jesus to them in that place. It's very simple. But this is how people come to faith in Jesus. People don't know Jesus, and they meet somebody who knows Jesus, and they get introduced to Jesus. That's, that's, that's the path for most people. Now, there's two keys to your front line. The first key is you have to believe it exists. You have to own it. Say, I believe that God has sent me to wherever I am, and that where I am and as I interact with people, that God can use that, that I actually believe that and that I own it. That's the first key. The second key is you've got to live as a light in that place. So if you either uh, ignore the fact that you have a front line or if you turn the light off, on your front line, this doesn't work. But if, you, if, but if you believe it and the light is on, God will use that. Um, but the reason we need to rethink about this is that over the last year, my guess is that your front line may have changed. That there may have been a part of your front line that's just gone, or it's different. For example, the notion of water cooler talk. You may have used to work in an office with people and you would hang out with them and in between meetings and you talk about life and goings on and small talk and that sort of thing, water cooler talk. But you're not in the office anymore, so you go on an online meeting, which research shows is, are much more focused, actually, that online meetings tend to stick to their agendas better than in-person meetings. Uh, they tend to be more focused on business and less on all the other tangential stuff, and then they finish, and everybody logs off, and they're gone. Just screen goes blank. Meeting ended by host. Poof. And it's, uh, so you lose that. So I guess the question for us is, what is, how has my front line changed, and what is my current front line? Because it might be different than it was, and I might need to rethink, how does, how do I invite Jesus, I mean, Matthew invited literal Jesus into his party, but how do I So Jesus is still alive and with me. How do I invite him into these conversations and relationships, which may look different than they did a year ago? So that's the first place we are sent. A Christian is a sent person, is to the front line. But there are times when God calls us beyond our front line, beyond the people that we normally interact with. Everybody's been called to that. But sometimes God calls us beyond. And I think the question we ask ourselves is we think a Mission Sunday, we're thinking about these partnerships. Is God calling me to go beyond? Is God calling me um, not just to minister where I am, but also to, um, to serve somewhere? Maybe it's at a place like a core room meal center. Maybe it's 
you know, I mean, straight ahead requires more, you know, specialized training and uh, awareness, but maybe it's with a ministry like that or some other one of our partners. Maybe you've been, and, and right now is a great time to just reset everything. Just reset, just start over. Maybe you've been teaching Sunday school for 10 years. And so, you know what, maybe it's God's calling me to something else beyond my front line. Or maybe you've been doing other things. Say, hey, maybe it's time to start investing in, uh, with the youth group or with our children's ministry. Or maybe one of these other partners. It just This is a great time to just say, you know what? Everything's been reset, so we're going to go with that and listen to God because he's on the move. And we want to see where he is calling us because every, um, or where he's sending us because every Christian is a called person. Every Christian is a sent person. And lastly, not only are we uh, called by Jesus, and we are sent by Jesus, but we are humbled by Jesus. Every Christian is a humble person. And we see this with the Pharisees in verse 11. So when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. What the Pharisees did and what we sometimes do is classify people. Okay, so, so to err is human, nobody's perfect, but there are uh, big sinners and little sinners. And we love to categorize people as big sinners and categorize ourselves in another group, which is the little sinners. We do that because we're insecure. We do that to justify ourselves before God. Because when we think about God and his holiness, we want to be in his favor, and if we can see other people are huge sinners, and we're just a little sinner, then God will somehow be more likely to bless me, or likely with me. But in the gospel, remember, that adventure came to you. That, it, it, that grace was extended to you. You didn't earn it. You didn't go get it. Uh, we, it's all about his free grace. So in Jesus Christ, there is no us and them. There is no there's, they're the others, and we're, you know, we're the good ones. It's, it does not exist. And Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And essentially, he's saying that everybody's sick. If you think you're healthy, you, I have nothing for you. And I love that this account is right in the context of healings. Jesus had just healed a, a paralyzed person. And then he's now he's essentially healing these sinners and these tax collectors. Um, Jesus wants those who are poor in spirit, not the self-righteous. He wants those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, not those who are just already satisfied and so proud of their own um, their own self. We've got these Pharisees, and they are just so worried about preserving their own goodness, so they can stay, you know, little sinners. They're not the big sinners. And Jesus said, if you're, oh, and they're going to shut themselves off from the big sinners. We're not going to eat with them. We're not going to go near them. But you seem to be doing that. You're going to pollute yourself. And Jesus said, if you're so worried about saving your own soul, that's the best way to lose it. He even said that. He said, if you want to save your soul, you're going to lose it. And Jesus said, that's actually, those big sinners, that's where I'm going. That's where you may be called to go to. We think about people, we, we categorize them so quickly. And you, you may have done this, I have done this, where you, you meet somebody, you know somebody, you say, that person would never come to faith in Jesus. They won't. 
They're not that type of person, not a religious person, not open to that. That person is, you know, uh, that's just not going to waste my time. And when we do that, or they're just such a big sinner, or they're just so far gone, so, well, who, who were you that Jesus came to you and called you to himself by his grace? You know, who are we to, to, to decide who's beyond the grace of God, and how are we not somehow beyond that in our own sin? You know, it's, Jesus says this, verse 13. So Jesus quotes the prophet Isaiah. He said, I'm sorry, the prophet Hosea. Hosea chapter 6, verse 6. Jesus says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I have not, called, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And this is the whole point of the prophet Hosea and what Jesus is saying here is it's not about that, these outward doing, going through all the right motions and having your heart so far from the kingdom. He's like, I want your heart right there with it. And if your heart is to just push others aside and worry about your own righteousness, they, the Pharisees are so worried about their own righteousness. Jesus said, I'm worried about relationship. I'm here to save people. I'm on mission to people. And if you're just worried about your own goodness, then you're going to totally miss out on what I have for other people. You need to humble yourself and understand that. And you've got to humble yourself and maybe get your hands a little dirty as you go to these folks. A Christian is a humble person. So uh, where do we take this kind of a message? Well, you take it tomorrow. You take it with you into your every day. Um, embrace the calling of Jesus on your life, that you're not just agreeing to a Christian ethic, but you have been called by the living God to follow him. Uh, reevaluate your front line. Maybe even journal out, how have things changed in the last year? How where has God called me to interact with people who don't know him, and where have I lost that, and how has that changed? Um, because, again, my guess is that it probably has changed. And then, um, yeah, is God calling me beyond my front line? You know, is, a, is there a mission partner we have? Um, or how might I support our missions program? That asking people over the next couple of weeks to think about what their giving might look like next fiscal year, which starts April. So... You know, how, do, how do I want to support this good work that's going on in all these places? Um, those are all great ways to apply this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, as for those of us who have responded to your call, we thank you that you've not only rescued us from those places, but also send us to, to be lights and, and the, the joy of that. And I, Lord, we're so unworthy. We're so not the right people, yet in your eyes, you've called us, you have um, prepared us, you have equipped us in every way to do this. So we acknowledge that, we embrace it, Lord. Give us wisdom uh, as we step forward, Lord. Help this word to go deep into our hearts. Amen.